Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hey there, Cove Church. We are in week three of our Fathom series, and uh, the straw that I draw today is to unpack uh, the fullness of the Holy Spirit known as pneumatology in theological terms in less than 20 minutes. Uh, So Pastor Aaron tackled God the Father week one, uh, uh, God in Jesus or Christology in week two, and now week three, the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I want to read over us our kind of our guiding verse for this entire series, our Fathom series. It comes out of Ephesians chapter three, and it goes like this. And I ask him, God, uh, that with both feet planted Firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. There's a story of a grade school, private private grade school, classroom full of kids and they're learning, they're kind of drilling down on their beliefs and doctrine. And so they're memorizing uh, the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, 325 Creed. And uh, so they all have a part that the teacher has, you know, kind of divided up the creed and given each student a part. So everyone has something to say. So they stand up nice and tall. They're ready to go. And the teacher, she says, ready, begin. And so the first little girl stands nice and loud, clear voice. She says, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And then on cue, little boy, loud, clear voice, he takes up the creed and he says, And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten, begotten of the Father before all ages. And then there's this break, a few seconds. And then a few more seconds. And then it becomes this nervous kind of silence. And this girl in the back uh, spoke up nervously, kind of raised her hand. And she says, Mrs. Anderson, the person who believes in the Holy Spirit isn't here. One of my favorite theologians, similarly, his name is Alerson McGrath, and he has this idea, famously he's presented this idea that um, he refers to the Holy Spirit as uh, the Cinderella of the Trinity. I've talked about this before, this idea that the other two sisters get invited to the ball, but the Holy Spirit gets left behind every time. And church, I wonder if this little girl's recognition of, you know, kind of her classmate, The one who believes in the Holy Spirit isn't here, could be said of the church today. Where are the folks who believe in the Holy Spirit? There's so many avenues that I could take us in the next few minutes about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does, but I I really want to drill down on two things. Number one, one specific theological underpinning of who the Holy Spirit is, one broad theological underpinning of who the Holy Spirit is, and then one specific theological underpinning underpinning of who the Holy Spirit is. So we'll go broad, and then we'll narrow down to just one thing. So broadly, one of my favorite church, early church fathers, his name is Athanasius, kind of a weird name. Uh, he... Um, There's a a creed that is really ascribed to him. It's likely that he didn't uh, write it. Most likely he didn't write it. But his thoughts and things that he argued and his, um, you know, his his theological um, arguments are are in 
uh, what's referred to as the Athanasian Creed. He was quite the, the scrapper, and um, he kind of battled this guy, at least theologi- theologically named Arius. And um, Arius had some, uh, among many theological thoughts, he had some that were ultimately branded as her- heretical, and he was branded as a heretic, not the least of which is this idea that essentially Jesus is not fully God, and the Holy Spirit is not fully God either. And so as the church, Athanasius and other early believers, um, you know, continue to develop their theology and their understanding of who Jesus is and who God is and who the Holy Spirit is, these creeds began to pop up, the Apostles' Creed, and then the Nicene Creed of 325, and then the Nicene-Constantinople Creed of 381, and then later on, the Athanasian Creed. And so what I want to do, the, the Athanasian Creed, um, really was was never meant for um, like devotional reading or anything like that, but to really sharpen our doctrine and our theology. And so I want to read just a portion of the Athanasian Creed. It goes like this. The Holy Ghost is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. Now I want to pause right there just for a second, uh, Cove Church. It's important. Athanasius is using, or the Athanasian Creed is using specific language because Arius was using uh, specific language on the other side. And so what Arius, for instance, what he would argue is that if something is begotten, then there was a time that they never existed. And so they can't be eternal. (laughs) And so Athanasius and those who followed him came along and said, neither, neither created, nor begotten, but proceeding, chose that word wisely and on purpose. So there is one father, not three fathers, one son, not three sons, <laughs> one Holy Ghost, not three Holy Ghosts. And in this Trinity, none is a four or after another, none is greater or less than another. There, there's not a hierarchical standard in the Trinity, in other words. But the whole three persons are co-eternal, together and co-equal to help uh, the church you know try to understand this I, this idea or this mystery of a triune god one god three persons over time the church created what's known as uh, the trinity shield and so you'll see kind of a pictorial reference of this on the screen to maybe help us understand what the athanasian creed is after you'll notice there i'll give you a second to kind of take it in Uh, So we have the father in the upper kind of left-hand corner is not the son, but the father is God. Likewise, if you if you kind of move your eyes over to the the upper right, you'll see the son. Likewise, is not the father, but the son is God, the Holy Spirit, the same. And yet we have one shield or one God. And so we know the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, we also know from elsewhere in Scripture that the Spirit is creator, the Spirit is the convictor of sin, the Spirit is counselor, the Spirit is um, a person. Uh, in other words, we, we learn from Scripture that the Holy Spirit can be grieved, the Holy Spirit can be lied to. These are things that, that people do. These are things that happen to people, not some disembodied Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. The Holy Spirit is an empower. Acts 1.8. But today I want to focus on one verse. There's one deep theological truth of who the Holy Spirit is, and it comes from John chapter 14, verses 16 to 17. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version of the Bible specifically, but the setting is this, that Jesus um, 
is about to be crucified. He's about to leave the disciples. And he's been hinting at this along the way. And the more he does, the more upset, the more agitated they get. What are we going to do without Jesus? And he, and, he, and he tells them, he says things like, listen, it's going to be better for you if I leave. And he keeps pointing to this, this promise or this other person he refers to as the Holy Spirit. Listen to John chapter 14 verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another, underline the word, another helper. Now in the Amplified Version, what it does is it unpacks maybe what other translations of the Bible would use instead of helper. So here we go. Comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, one who would stand by. He goes on to be with you forever. The spirit of, so right there, we see co-eternal. The Holy Spirit is uh, eternal, which is an attribute of God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, that is the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be with you. I want you to notice just a few things, Cope Church. Number one, that word helper in the original language, both Pastor Aaron and various other speakers and pastors have unpacked this. That it's the word paraclete. It's the combination of, of two words, para, uh, which means beside, and kaleo, which means called or to call. So it's one who is called alongside. One who is called alongside to help. The picture might be one of a maritime uh, you know, setting of one ship that's out to sea and struggling to get to port or harbor and another ship comes alongside to guide that ship. Would, this would be known as the paraclete ship. And so uh, as Northwesterners, we live just a few hundred miles away from either the first or second most treacherous bar in the world, the Columbia River Bar, also nicknamed the Graveyard of the, uh, the, graveyard of the Pacific. Uh, since 1792, over 2,000 ships have been capsized and sunk right there at the mouth of the Columbia River. In another life, I had a friend who, um, he, he owned a, a charter boat out of Ilwaco on the Washington side. And one day, it was a beautiful day, it was a calm day, he took me out over the bar into the ocean. And one of the things that I noticed, I, I, I'd, I'd known, you know, lots of death, what, multiple thousands of ships had gone down. And um, one of the things that I noticed, what I thought were calm seas, I was noticing the horizon where I could see for a long way. And then a few seconds later, the horizon was like a waterline horizon. And so I paused and I looked around and what was going on, Cove Church, is there were these just massive, even though it was calm, no breakers, it wasn't choppy, just these massive swells. And I could see and feel and sense the power and how treacherous the bar was. In fact, if you spend any time in Astoria, Oregon, um, you know, along the shoreline, you will see tugboats, they, they will leave and they will head out to sea. And what will happen is they're, what they're doing is they're essentially for the big barges, especially, they're delivering what's known as a bar pilot <laughs> to help that ship across the Columbia River bar. Maybe we could think of that bar pilot, that ship, as a paraclete. Also notice that word, another. What's interesting about that word in the English, we really have one word for another, it's another. But in the original Greek, what they would do is they would kind of ask the question, is this another of a different kind or is this another of the same kind? 
the word that Jesus uses here is another of the same kind. So we could literally translate it this way. Jesus, what he was saying to them is, I'm going to send another person who will do exactly what I would do if I were with you here physically. Further, how could he say it's better for you then if I leave? If it's another of the same kind, how can that, that would just be equal but it's actually better because Jesus was confined to a human body and the Holy Spirit isn't another helper. And finally, I want you to notice one translation or one rendering of that word paraclete is comforter. On the screen, uh, you'll see a picture of my daughter, Kayla. And for those of you who are new to Cove Church, She's awesome, and I've shared stories of her uh, before her and her husband live in Vancouver, Washington. When she was four years old, we bought our first home. And um, what we, we would do, what I think many new homeowners do when their home, it was a new home, so it was being framed, we had it built. And uh, so we would go at, toward the evening after the workers had left, and we'd walk through. And uh, it was early on in the construction, it was all just, it was just open stud framing. There were no walls you could see from one end of the house to the other. And we had gone a few times and shown Kayla, four years old, trying to help her understand, hey, this is going to be your bedroom. So she could get excited, get excited and kind of, you know, envision what's, what's happening. And one night we went to the home. We had this camcorder. I had Drew on my back in like this little carrier and, and Joy had Kayla in hand, was holding her hand. She was walking. We went upstairs and... Um, uh, we, we were distracted with something and Kayla kind of squirmed her hand out of my wife's hand and we continued doing what we were doing. I think we were filming something. And um, what Kayla did is she went into what would be her room and she kind of backed her way into the closet between a couple of, of, you know, between the stud framing and she promptly fell through a hole in the ground from top to bottom. I think we had nine or 10 foot ceilings. And we heard uh, a little gasp, we heard a thud, a quick squeal, and then nothing. We raced downstairs, dropped this video camera, raced downstairs, and um, our daughter wasn't moving, and she wasn't breathing. Finally, she began to move just a little bit. We called 911. And they got her on a gurney into the ambulance. They tucked Joy in the ambulance. They told me to hit the road. And uh, so I got in our family vehicle and I began to follow the ambulance. I had tears rolling down uh, my face. I was, I was an absolute mess. I was fearful. I didn't know if her neck was broken. I didn't know if her leg was broken. I didn't know if she would walk again. I don't know if there would be, you know, brain damage. I had no idea what I needed at that moment, Cove Church, is I needed comfort. I needed someone to tell me it was going to be okay. I needed someone, uh, you know, to tell me that I wasn't the worst dad in the world for taking a four-year-old through a construction site, <laughs> you know, without a hard hat. I needed someone from inside the ambulance to call me and say, hey, listen, she's breathing, she's moving, she's going to be okay. I needed some comforting news. So I want to come back to that story, Cove Church. Let me just kind of zero in on you. How about you? Where do you need comfort in your life? Where do you need Jesus to come alongside you? Maybe it's in your depression. Maybe it's in some betrayal. Someone who's turned their back on you. Maybe it's in the death of a loved one. 
a close friend. Maybe it's a medical diagnosis that's kind of taking your breath away. Maybe a marriage where you feel like you need, it's sinking and you need a bar pilot to help you across the treacherous bar of the pain and reconciliation. I know that my daughter fell through that hole on a Thursday night because I was a youth pastor at the time and the night before we had our youth service uh, at the church. And um, that night, our, our worship leader decided to um, sing this song that I remember, this is over 20 years ago, I remember singing as a kid. So another you know, 20 years behind that. He started singing the song. Maybe some of the higher mileage units who are watching this message uh, today, you, you would know the song, Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. And it's a really, really simple song. It, it goes like this. Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. And the chorus is really simple. Hallelujah, you're the lifter of my head. Hallelujah. You're the lifter of my head. Super simple, super out of date. I was wondering how this was going to go over with our students that night, but it actually ministered to their hearts. So now back to following this ambulance and the ambulance lights go on. My heart rate goes up. I'm crying. I don't know what to do. And then the thought of, of us singing this song the night before crosses my mind. I'm calling out to God. The thought of this song, and then it begins to well up inside of me. Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. And so I started singing this song. In Cove Church, I don't sing. I sing in the shower, that's it. Sing to myself. But I started singing this song. Tears rolling down my face. I'm a, I was a mess. And it brought me, Cove Church, it brought me some comfort. I just trusted the Lord. I had this sense that this song was from the Lord. And maybe it was just nothing more than, hopefully, God miraculously was a shield around my daughter when she fell. And she's going to be okay. After every scan, it seemed you could think of, doctor finally came to Joy and I and said, you know, Brandon, Joy, your daughter remarkably is going to be fine. There's no broken bones. There's no lasting damage that I can see. Uh, there, there's, there's a cut on her chin. And, and then he speculated this, and I'll never forget it. The cut on her chin might be because when she fell, her head was lifted up. Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. Cove Church, this, this song was written largely out of Psalm chapter 3. And, and David was running. He needed help. He was calling out to God. He needed comfort. He was actually running from his own son, Absalom, who was trying to kill him. That's where the words come from. And so maybe back to you, Cove Church. What I want you to know if you would take anything from this message, kind of this one theological truth of the Holy Spirit, is that in your betrayal, in your depression, in maybe your failing marriage, in the medical diagnosis that has taken your breath away, in the counsel of the Holy Spirit, we find comfort. In the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we find comfort. In all of those areas of life, we have a comforter. So, Cove Church, I want to pray for you. I wonder what's one small step that you can take today to engage God as the comforter. Jesus, thank you.
for my family. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, I, I pray that you would tether us to this idea front and center in our hearts and minds that you, Holy Spirit, you, God, our comforter. In our down days, your comforter. In our, in our up days, your comforter. In your counsel, we find comfort. In, in those times where you convict us as a, loving, as a loving parent would of our sin, we find comfort. In all areas of life, we find comfort in you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, Cove Church. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.